Children are dismissed. When I say children, I mean kindergarten to fifth grade and Frank Farmer, wherever the heck he is. Frank, don't miss the bus. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We stand off your presence, God. And uh, you're just so good and you're so awesome and you're so mighty, Father. Thank you for giving us 2020. Help us to not take 2020 for granted. Work in the hearts and souls of these people. Help them to be stronger disciples. Help them to be stronger impactors for your kingdom, Father. I pray that you would speak through me this morning. Let it be your intentions through me and not my intentions through me. Lord, I thank you for the privilege I get to preach your word. Help me to not take that lightly. God, I pray that you'd be with some of the craziness going on with, you know, some foreign policy stuff going on right now and just all the shootings you hear about and all that craziness, God. We know you're bigger than all of that, but be with us as we're dealing with some of that. We love you and we praise you in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Some of you guys know that me and Mike Heilman go to the rescue mission in Martinsburg every fourth Wednesday of the month. And I usually preach a, a sermon there when I'm there every fourth Wednesday of the month. And one time I was preaching a sermon at the rescue mission and one of the guys that was in the audience came up to me after the sermon and he was telling me this story about how he lived out in the wilderness for a few months. And in so many words, he told me that living in the wilderness was challenging, but it was also liberating at the same time. It was challenging, but it was also liberating at the same time. He said it was challenging because he didn't have the neighborhood drugstore, the neighborhood grocery store to run to when he needed something. He didn't, and he also didn't have a lot of people to lean on. But he said it was also liberating to be in that experience because he didn't have to maintain a lot of stuff. And he didn't have to deal with a lot of stuff. And he learned to have value in things that he didn't have value in before, like just life in general and just the, the creation that was around him. We're in a series in Matthew 10, and we're going to be in this series in the next couple weeks, and this series is called The Courage of a Disciple. The Courage of a Disciple. In Matthew 10, Jesus is sending out His 12 disciples on their own for the first time to be on their first mission trip. Jesus is giving the twelve the authority to cast out demons, to heal diseases, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the lost sheep of Israel and no one else. Jesus told the twelve disciples to proclaim the good news and do work to the lost sheep of Israel because the Gentiles would eventually get the message, but it wasn't the right timing right now. So Jesus gave his 12 disciples the authority to cast out demons and to heal diseases and to proclaim the good news of the gospel so they could go out on their own to the lost sheep of Israel. And in Matthew chapter 10, 9 through 10, Jesus is telling his disciples a few things 
before they head out on their journey. And this is what Jesus is telling His disciples in Matthew 10, verses 9 through 10. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 9 through 10, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Jesus is telling his disciples, do not bring any extra stuff with you. Do not bring any extra possessions with you as you go on this journey to proclaim the good news to the lost sheep of Israel. A lot of people take this passage out of context. A lot of people say, well, this passage means we should have nothing. We should live in poverty. We should all live in little tiny houses and be minimalists. Like a cool millennial, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is putting his disciples in this position where they don't have extra stuff so they can be reminded that God is their provider. Jesus is telling the disciples, do not bring a lot of extra stuff with you because I want to remind you that God is your provider. I think Jesus wanted to challenge his disciples to let them know that God was their provider for a couple of reasons. I believe that Jesus wanted them to have a liberating experience and a challenging experience, just like that experience that one kid had at the rescue mission. Jesus wanted them to have a liberating experience and a challenging experience through remembering that God was their provider on this journey, through not bringing a lot of stuff. It was going to be challenging because they had to rely on the hospitality of others, and they had to rely on not a lot of extra things with them as far as material possessions. But it was going to be liberating because they were going to come to the realization that God gives them everything they need. And they were also going to come to the realization that God doesn't define them by the stuff they have. God takes them as they are. So this was going to be a liberating experience and a challenging experience, just like that experience that kid had from the rescue mission that I told you about earlier. We are all called to be disciples of Jesus. When you allow Jesus to come into your life, you are called to be a disciple. You are called to be a follower. You are called to be a learner of Jesus. You don't just get wet and then, okay, I'm good. And a lot of churches have a problem with baptizing a lot of people but not discipling them and not challenging them to be disciples, to be legitimate learners and followers of Jesus. And when you give your life over to Jesus, you are called to be a legitimate disciple of Jesus. And every day you are being sent out on a mission as a disciple to impact the world and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And as you go on this mission every day, as you are commissioned by Jesus to go on this mission, every day you have to let God be your provider. You have to let God be your provider. You've got to have the courage to let God be your provider. Can you do that? Can you let God be your provider? Can you let Him be your provider of everything? Your wisdom, your finances, your courage, to name a few things. Because when you try to be your own provider, 
as a disciple, you create this misconception that you have security, and you create this misconception that life is all about you and what you can do for yourself, and you have this misconception that you don't have to rely on anybody or anything. And I'm not preaching a poverty gospel here like I told you before. I'm not telling all of you you need to live in grass huts in Africa and just eat rice three times a day. Some people are called to that, but not everybody. You can have possessions. You can have a savings account. You can have a retirement account. You can even go on vacation once in a while. You can have extra clothes. But do not acquire too many extra possessions. And do not overplan for your life. Because when you have too many possessions and you overplan for your life, you are under this misconception that you are your own provider. You're not letting God be your provider. He is our provider because He provides what we need. We have everything we need in Jesus Christ. Because what we need is His love, His compassion, His grace, His mercy, and His salvation He gives us. And we need nothing else. We need all that more than the air we breathe and the water we drink and the nourishment we need from food. We need all that more than anything. And that's enough for us. That satisfies us. And all this was made possible by the beauty of the Gospel. We have everything we need in Jesus. God is our provider because Jesus died on the cross. He died the nastiest death for the nastiest people, you and me. So we could have eternal life. So we could have forgiveness and not burn in hell for forever because we're sinful people. It's the greatest gift ever. And that's why we have everything we need in Christ. And I think another reason why we have everything we need in Christ is because if we didn't have everything we need in Christ, that would strip God of His power, wouldn't it? If we didn't have everything we need in Christ, that would strip God of His power. If we had some of what we needed in Christ, that would strip God of His power, wouldn't it? And we could boast. We could say, I provided for God. That's not a powerful God if we can provide for Him. And there are some people under the misconception that they do provide for God with their money or their talents. These are the people that are always like, I gave this, or I gave that, or I did this, or I did that. Look what I did. Those are the people that strip God of His power sometimes because they're under the misconception that God relies on them and, and God needs them to provide for Him once in a while. Sometimes we forget that even the people or organizations in this world that help people even have God as their provider. God is the provider for the providers. Do we chew on that? Do we reflect on that? God is the provider for the providers. The government may provide assistance for people, but God is giving the government the opportunity to provide. Your boss may have hired you, but God gave your boss the opportunity to hire you because of his provision. There are a lot of people that give a lot of money to organizations or churches, but God is allowing them to give money to churches and organizations because God is their provider. God is the provider of the providers, and we forget that a lot. I am providing you with a message today. 
Some of you may think it's great. Some of you may think it's horrible. You know, if it's horrible, just don't tell me about it. No, I don't care. I've heard it before. <laughs> but for some of you that think it's a decent message today, God has provided me with a message to provide for you because God is the provider of the providers. God is the provider of the providers. And it's only by the grace of God that God provides for the providers. It's only by the grace of God. We're not entitled to provide because God provides for us. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe God everything because it's only by the grace of God that we have provision. And it's only by the grace of God that God provides for people so they can provide for others. So how do we let God be our provider as a disciple on a mission every day? How do we let God be our provider as a disciple on a mission every day? How does this practically look? Well, first of all, we have to quit worrying about what we think we need. We have to quit worrying about what we think we need. There's a difference between what we think we need and what we really need. And if you worry about what you really need, there's no reason to worry because God's going to give it to you because he promises what we really need. But don't worry about what you think you need. A lot of us think we need a bigger bank account. A lot of us think we need a lot of likes on our Facebook page. A lot of us think we need a lot of friends on our Facebook page because we don't have any friends in real life. A lot of us think we need Netflix. A lot of us think we need to go to King's Pizza every day. I don't know. That may be a necessity for some. A lot of us think we need to be involved in every sort of activity that's going on in the world. A lot of us think we need our kids to be involved in every single activity that's going on so they can get into a good college, so we can make them anxious and depressed. I'm serious. A lot of helicopter parenting like that is linked to a lot of depression and anxiety. And a lot of suicides, to be honest with you. It's not funny at all. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But there's a big difference between what we think we need and what we really need. What we really need is what we talked about before. What we really need is love from God and grace from God and eternal life from God and salvation from God. That's what we really need. And we don't need to worry about getting those needs met because God has promised to give us those needs, if we just give our lives over to Him and we surrender our lives over to Him. And here's the thing, when we worry, worry causes anxiety and anxiety causes stress. And stress can cause you to do and say things that you're going to regret. Worry snowballs into anxiety and anxiety and worry snowball into Worry, anxiety, and stress, and all that snowballs into bad words and bad actions. And I'll be honest with you, I, I struggle with anxiety. I know about worry probably more than a lot of people do. I'm on anxiety and medication because I don't have enough faith. No, I'm just joking. Some people believe that. Some of you guys caught on to that. Um, there are people out there that believe that people are on medication because they don't have enough faith. 
Um, that's why there's so many Christians that prescribe medication out there that love the Lord. Um, but yeah, I'm on anxiety medication. And, you know, the biggest thing with me is the what ifs when it comes to worry. Does anybody struggle with the what ifs? Those can be paralyzing, let me tell you. What if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl? You know, what if the Packers don't even go to the Super Bowl? What if King's Pizza shuts down? What if Old Country Diner never opens up again? You know, I mean, the things are a little more serious than that. What if Netflix is out of existence, you know? We'd actually have to be more social and go out and exercise, yeah. Um, the what ifs can paralyze you emotionally and mentally when you worry. And worry is actually a sin. We forget worry is actually a sin because you're doubting God's power when you worry. This is what Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27 say about worry. Jesus is talking to his disciples with the famous Sermon on the Mount, telling them what he expects of them in the kingdom that Jesus has established. And in Matthew 6, 25 through 27, Jesus says, Therefore, therefore is a key word, therefore, in light of everything I've told you before, Therefore, in light of what I've told you about not storing up treasures on earth, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying at a single hour... To your life. Jesus is saying, worry is a waste of time. Because God gives you what you really need. And that's all that matters. Worrying is not going to add a single hour to your life. And there's a difference between worry and concern. Worry can be maybe doing everything in your control about a problem, but then you don't let God do the rest. Concern is doing everything you can within your control about a problem and then letting God do the rest. See, there's a difference. With worry, you might do everything in your control about a problem, but then you don't let God do the rest. But with concern, you do everything within your control when it comes to a problem, but then you also let God do the rest. You have the faith that God's going to take care of the rest. When you worry, you tell God, hey, I know you're powerful, but I don't know if you're that powerful. I know you parted the Red Sea, but I don't know if you can work with my marriage, God. I know you fed 5,000 men with five loaves of bread and, and two fish, but I don't know if you can help with my mortgage. God, I think you're powerful, but I don't know if you're that powerful. That's what worry is. Quit worrying about what you think you need and start having concern for what God guarantees what you really need. Another big way we learn to let God be our provider as a disciple on a mission is through living simple, but leaving room for God's complexity. Living simple, but leaving room for God's complexity. I know that's a lot to take in, so I'll explain that a little bit. Um, when you live simple... Well, you don't live with a lot of possessions and a lot of anxiety connected to possessions. You have room 
to study God's complexity and reflect on God's complexity and to be in awe of God's complexity. And the more you reflect on God's complexity and the more you study God's complexity and, more, and the more you're in the presence of God's complexity, you will grow spiritually and you will be sanctified. But when you don't live simple, you don't leave a lot of room for God's complexity. The famous Christian author Richard, Richard Foster describes simplicity as an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. It's a life of joyful unconcern for possessions. So it's an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. And it's a life of joyful unconcern for possessions. Richard Foster also gives 10 suggestions for practical, simple living with this attitude. Number one, he says, buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Number two, reject anything that is producing an addiction in you. Number three, develop a habit of giving things away. Number four, refuse to be propagandized by the custodians of modern gadgetry, whatever the heck that means. Some of you guys might know what that means. Number five, learn to enjoy things without owning them. Six, develop a deeper appreciation for the creation. Number seven, look with a healthy skepticism at all buy now, pay later schemes. Number eight, obey Jesus' instructions about plain, honest speech. Number nine, reject anything that breeds the oppression of others. Number 10, shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God. Live simple, but be in the presence of a complex God. Leave room for God's complexity when you're living simple. My dad has a lot of amazing quotes. And a lot of his amazing quotes have brought a lot of memories um, to me. For instance, if my family was packing to go away for a weekend to maybe my grandparents' house or to just a normal trip, my dad would, more often than not, ask my mom, are you packing for a month? First of all, are you moving in? My dad would always ask my mom that when we would leave for a weekend trip. It was hilarious. When we don't depend on God as our provider, when we don't have the courage to let God be our provider as disciples on a mission, it's like we're packing all this stuff and we don't even know how long the journey is. It could be two days. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 10 hours. You're going to create all this extra stress and all this extra anxiety and all this extra weight for a journey that could end in 10 minutes. And you're not focused on the moment. John Piper says we always need to rehearse for our death every day. You always got to rehearse for your death because you don't know when your last day is. On your last day, do you want to be your own provider? where you're packing for like a month or you're packing like you're moving in and you don't even know when your last day is and then you face a judge and you're like, oh, darn it. Or do you want to let God be your provider where you just pack enough for the moment and maybe a little more so you can focus on the goodness of God 
So you can rely on God and other people. And so you can focus on what you really need in Christ. I'm going to leave you with this statement. I'm going to read it because I don't want to butcher it. Carry what you need with God as your provider today so you don't have to face the judge with burdens of tomorrow. That may never happen. Let me say that again. Carry what you need with God as your provider today so you don't have to face the judge with burdens of tomorrow. That may never happen. So as you're a disciple going out in the world, as you're getting commissioned by Jesus every day to be a follower, to, to preach the good news, let God be your provider. Do not be your own provider. Because you don't know when your last day is. And you don't want to be overburdened with packing for a long journey that may never happen. You've got to have your focus on Christ. and You've got to be focused on what is guaranteed and what you really need constantly so you can be effective for Him as a disciple. Why don't you guys pray with me? Dear God, we love You and we praise You and we stand in all of Your presence. God, You're so holy and You're so good and, and You're so mighty and just... Thank You for the gift of life, eternal life, and, and thank You for Your grace and Your goodness and Your mercy and compassion. Thank You for being our provider. Being a Christian is stressful, but it's a lot less stressful with You as our provider. Because You give us what we need and what we really need is guaranteed. Help us to not worry about what we think we need Help us to live simple, God, in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.